Welcome to church this morning on our last day of 2023. First song this morning will be on the screen, Step by Step. After we sing the song, we'll have our announcements and opening prayer this morning. Oh God, you are my God, and I will ever praise you. Oh God, you are my God, and I will ever praise you. I will seek you in the morning, and I will learn to walk in your ways, and step by step you'll lead me, and I will follow you all of my days. Oh God, you are my God, and I will ever praise you. Oh God, you are my God, and I will ever praise you. I will seek you in the morning, and I will learn to walk in your ways, and step by step you'll lead me, and I will follow you all of my days, and I will follow you all of my days, and I will follow you all of my days, and step by step you'll lead me, and I will follow you all of my days. Well, good morning. On this last morning service of, what year is it, 2023? It goes by so fast. Um, in, your, in our bulletins, we have um, quite a few announcements. I'm not going to go over all, just uh, uh, highlight. Remember tonight, the uh, New Year's Eve game night. Uh, bring your favorite games and your favorite snacks. And then uh, next week, uh, after our morning service, is our potluck. And um, as we... Uh, as we uh, have our prayers today and as we... Uh, Go through the week. Remember, uh, there's a bunch of prayer requests <clears throat> also in our bulletin, and I'm going to uh, add a couple to those. Um, Robbie Weaver's mother is in uh, uh, in ICU at Baptist. She's still there. Um, keep her in our prayers. Uh, remember, Jim Busby is having surgery, and uh, I just talked to him. I, I've had that surgery. It's... Uh, You'll feel better after it, but um, it's going to be a little bit of a recovery. Uh, so we'll keep him in our prayers. Joretta Rose has appointment uh, January 3rd to determine her options for surgery uh, for the pain she's uh, been suffering for the past few weeks. And uh, Mary Wolf has COVID. Are there any other announcements, updates? <clears throat> Seeing none, okay. Let's uh, go to the Father in prayer. <clears throat> Father, we're grateful again to be able to be here as brothers and sisters in Christ, as a congregation to worship you, to praise you, to learn more about you. As we put uh, another year behind us, Father, 
we see another good year in front of us. And we know it's going to be a good year because we enter it with your love and your grace. And we know, Father, that you will continue to guide us in the new year as you have in years past. We pray, Father, that we enter this new year willing servants, able servants, to do your work both in our homes and our communities. As we go through the service this morning, Father, we pray also that you will help us to keep our hearts and minds open, that all that is said is put to our hearts and minds that will strengthen us as your servants. For those, Father, who <clears throat> are hurting, who are sick, who are ill, who are uh, having surgeries, we pray, Father, that your comforting and healing touch will be theirs, that they will be, <clears throat> that they will be healed, that they will be comforted, and Father, we know that uh, your will will always be done. Father, for those who are traveling and aren't with us this morning, we pray that they are uh, they kept safe and that they will be brought back to us that we may worship and praise you t together with them again. Father, we, we know you're always with us, and that's what gives us our strength. That's what our faith is all about. We pray, Father, that uh, you will continue to watch over us, guide us and protect us, and forgive us all of our sins. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're using a book, number 675. 675. We normally sing this song as an invitation hymn, but as we're approaching a new year, I hope we think about the words of this song to help us resolve to be more like him. I am resolved no longer to linger, charmed by the world's delight. Things that are higher, things that are nobler, these have allured my sight. I will hasten to him, Hasten so glad and free, Jesus, greatest, highest, I will come to thee. I am resolved to go to the Savior, leaving my sin and strife. He is the true one, he is the just one. He hath the words of life. I will hasten to him, hasten so glad and free. Jesus, greatest, highest, I will come to thee. I am resolved to enter the kingdom, leaving the paths of sin. Friends may oppose me, foes may beset me, still will I enter in. I will hasten to him, hasten so glad and free. Jesus, greatest. 
I will come to thee. For our lesson this morning, we'll sing number 483. 483. Stand up, stand up for Jesus. And if you would, let's stand for this song and for the prayer to follow. Stand up, stand up for Jesus, ye soldiers of the cross. Lift high his royal banner, it must not suffer loss. From victory unto victory, his army shall he lead, till every foe. Stand up, stand up for Jesus, the strife will not be long. This day the noise of battle, the next the victor's song. Let's pray. Father, as we are about to hear your word, may we open our hearts to receive it with meekness and resolve to put it to practice in our lives. We know that your word is the power to save sinners and to edify the saint. It's a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path to guide us in the way of righteousness. Thank you for revealing it so that we can know you and your will, and prepare our lives to be with you after this life is over. May we realize how precious it is and allow you to write it on our hearts to do it. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. I'll be reading from 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. For we do not write you anything you cannot read or understand. And I hope that as you understand us, in part you will come to understand fully that you can boast of us just as we will boast of you in the day of the Lord Jesus. Well, it's certainly a good morning to worship together, and it's good to see you guys, but unfortunately, I, I hate to tell you this, after today, I won't be able to see you guys until next year. <laughs> Boo. Yeah. Oh, I've, I'm loaded on the jokes for that today. You want to hear another one that's even worse? 
you know, Paul tells us to imitate him as he imitates Christ. And there's a time in Acts when Paul is preaching till midnight until someone falls out the window. And I know that y'all are going to stay up till midnight today anyway. So we'll see you tonight. And we're going to go all night. Just kidding. Of course, I can't preach that long. And y'all are thinking, thank goodness. We're in the book of First Thessalonians this morning. And we'll be at the end of chapter 2 and beginning into chapter 3. Here's some thoughts about the upcoming year. I know that's where all our thoughts are because it's the last day of the year. We're about to begin a whole new year. And, and a lot of this time right now, a lot of people are saying or thinking or posting on social media things like new year, new me, you know, that kind of stuff. The same old, same old. But each year, it seems like we post and say, well, I'm going to be a new me this year. Well, this year, I'm going to be a new me. And really, maybe we don't need to be all brand new. Maybe we don't have to be completely different. But instead, maybe we can make the decision to capitalize on what we already do well. Maybe I can think about growing just 1% better every day. And, you know, we really like to measure success and growth and faith and also in other ways, such as, well, a big resolution is going to be probably, for many people in the world, losing weight, right? And at the end of the week, or every day almost, you kind of want to step on the scale and see if it's working. But if you do that, you're going to get discouraged often and often and time again. And so you really got to pick out different measuring points when you're going to look back and measure, is this working or how well this is working? But we take it maybe two months to a year, anywhere in there, to look back and say and look, how did I grow? And what might can I do better this time or this next few months? I like what's said there in First Thessalonians, actually chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. He says, we urge you, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God, just as you're doing, that you do so more and more. He's saying you already are, are on the right path. You already started to do the right things. You don't have to, to re-innovate everything. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. Just be better at the good that you're doing. Grow deeper in those ways. And that's a common thread throughout this book that he'll say time and time again another that we'll see. But boy, this church had a rough start. Over in Acts 17, we see when Paul first goes to Thessalonica, and what the result of that was in verse 6, they, they hated what they were preaching, of course. They're trying to find Paul and the others and drag them out. But verse 6 would say, and they could not find them. They dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city authorities, shouting, These men who have turned the world upside down have come here also. And so at this point, a very early church, very brand new converts, are facing this kind of persecution, being drugged out of their homes. But what a cool phrase, though, right, that we latch on to right there. These men who have turned the world upside down. Is that not what we want to do? But think about it before you say yes, because we've said this before. Look at what it got them for turning the world upside down. It wasn't always easy. God is not going to tell you or I in his word that everything once you become a Christian and everything in your life of faith is going to be easy sunshine and rainbows and a walk in a park. In fact, we're told a couple times more often than not that we will face adversity, that we will face challenges, but God takes those challenges and like how he used these men to turn the world upside down, he turns these trials upside down on its face, takes Satan's plan and turns it around and uses it for our own betterment. 
for our own growth if we remain rooted in him and continue to grow. So this is a very young church that's facing this. And you would think, if this was us, me or you, how well do you think that their life is going to go as Christians? How well do you think their walk of faith is going to go on from there? We might look at that and say, not very well, right? That's a terrible start. I mean, it's hard in any part of life, no matter your age or where you're from, to, to get going in the right direction if you have a bad start. But we find in 1 Thessalonians 1, verse 7, that they became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith has gone forth everywhere so that we need not say anything. I love that they became examples not to the unbelievers. They became examples to other established congregations because they stuck to their faith, because they sounded out the word, and the report about their faith went out from them. How does a report about your faith go out from you? That means that faith has got to be more than us just sitting here all collectively saying, I believe faith is your life. Faith is action. It manifests itself in action. So what does our faith say about us? You know, it's nice. I'm over here where I said I would begin now (laughs) at the end of chapter 2. It's nice to look out amongst ourselves and do as Paul is doing. And as he said what Wyatt read in 1 Corinthians and what we read right here, verse 17, he says, But since we were torn away from you, brothers, for a short time in person, not in heart, We endeavored the more eagerly and with great desire to see you face to face because we wanted to come to you. I, Paul, again and again. And in these few verses, I guess the point I'm making is boasting in each other's spiritual growth and boasting in each other's labors. Are we emotionally tied together here? Because he was emotionally tied together with them, even though they were apart, They were so close. There was such a good relationship that it hurt to be left away. It hurt to be torn away. They're torn apart in person, but not in heart, he says, verse 17. Are we emotionally hurting together? Are we celebrating together? Are we continuing on in this walk together? That's a question for us to look at at our own selves. Verse 19 and 20, Paul says, For what is our hope or joy, or crown of boasting. That crown is is like a victor's crown, a celebration crown. Our boasting before the Lord Jesus at His coming, is it not you? For you are our glory and joy. You see what he doesn't say there? Paul is not saying that you guys, the things that you had to go through and the growth you had to go through, it was such a burden that I had to be there to help you. It was such a burden for me to think about what you are doing. No, he doesn't think of them as burdens. And you and I, we cannot think of one another as burdens in the church either. You know, we get frustrated sometimes thinking, well, he's not to the level of maturity that he ought to be, or she's not either. But you know, to others' perspective, I might be the same exact way. They need to grow, but who doesn't? There's not a one of us here that is exactly perfect and exactly full-grown to maturity. We're on our way, but we are an imperfect people. Look what Paul says about them. They are his glory and his joy. What do you take pride in? Maybe a better question would be, who do you take pride in? 
Who is it that gives you joy? Who is it that you can boast about? Now, boasting and pride in and of ourselves, we know that's the enemy. We know that that's wrong. But there are things that we can boast in as the church, chief among them being God, of course. But secondly, looking out and seeing what is boastworthy amongst our own selves. I wrote down some things from this past year. And I obviously did not write them all down. And so if I leave you out, I'm not saying any names, or if I leave out something you did, I'm not doing that intentionally. But as I think about the things for you that are boastworthy, when I look out and I see what you accomplished this year, well, we started a, a nursery baby class, started with two or three, and now some of the teachers are saying we need a bigger room. And we tell them, well, we ain't got a bigger room yet. And that's a pretty good thing. We have now Bible class curriculum with rooms being filled that weren't being used before. We have ladies groups that are meeting and training up one another. We have men's groups that are going to start as well, along with the men's breakfast. We had different and new mission opportunities, different giving opportunities that you far exceeded the expectations. We did outreach in our community that we had never done before and came into contact with people that didn't even know we were in this town yet. But you guys did that. We had leadership growth. We had new men starting to teach, learning to preach for the first time. We've got more ladies stepping up to teach. We've got new brothers and sisters in Christ this year. Isn't that awesome? There is a lot for me to boast about in you that Christ has worked through you. You see, I'm boasting at Christ and Jesus and his power that he has grown us collectively, that he has worked through us. And this is just a single year. Imagine how much more God can and will grow us if we keep letting him. He goes on in chapter 3 of 1 Thessalonians. Therefore, when we could bear it no longer, we were willing to be left behind at Athens alone. And we sent Timothy, our brother and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ, to establish and exhort you in your faith. You know what spiritual growth needs? It needs us boasting on one another. It needs nourishment from the word is one of the key things that you and I have to have. That's, there's different things that God provides for us that give us spiritual nourishment for our spiritual growth. And he sends Timothy here to remind them of what they should know. That's a lot of our job, what we do for one another, for the teachers, for the preachers, for the elders, for anybody that is speaking or just meeting with one another, reminding each other what we should know. You see there in chapter uh, 3, verse 2, he says to establish and to exhort you in your faith. That means to encourage, to make sure that you're rooted in the basic principles of God and to make sure that you're growing off of that solid foundation. I look over in, in 1 Peter chapter 2, if I can find it in my new Bible. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2. He says, Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation. You see, growth is not optional for you and I as Christians. 
It's necessary. It is something that we would call a command or something that you and I are supposed to follow through and do. I put in my effort. God does his growing work, but I've got to be in the word. You see, God grows us. The spiritual nourishment is first and foremost from him, from the word. And I look there in first Peter, but I also start to think of Hebrews chapter five, verse 13 through 14 where he says, for everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he's a child. But wait a minute, Peter just said that we need the milk. Yeah, that's, that's where you start. You start with the basics and you start with the milk just like a baby, just like a child would. But then you start to want the steaks, right? You want the good ribeyes cooked to a good temperature with, I mean, if it's good, you don't need any A1. You want the good stuff. But you've got to grow to be able to get there because he goes on saying in Hebrews 5.14, but solid food is for the mature who have their powers of discernment uh, pr- trained by constant practice. How do I grow in the word? Constant use, constant practice, which means I've got to constantly be in it. You know, God made me. He knows where I'm at. He knows what I need. And Maybe where I'm not should or where I'm not, sorry, where I should be if I'm not there yet. He might be telling you and I when we read through something like this, you should have been a lot taller than you are now. And we say, well, I'm trying. And he says, are you sure you're trying? Are you going to the source? You know, if I'm not getting the right diet and the right nutrients, I'm not going to grow. We worry about our kids whenever they don't eat right and whenever they don't have the right diet. They're not growing. We take them to the doctor. Let me tell you, this past week was, there's another way to put it, this past week was bad. <laughs> because, I mean, it's Christmas, yeah, but Eleanor was sick on Christmas. That's putting it nicely. And all the way through yesterday, she's finally eating today, but there was a period of, of two, maybe three days, she did not eat a crumb. And I was panicking as dad because I know she's this big and I know you need a certain amount of food if you're this big. And so I start to panic. We take her to the doctor, of course. She's got two ear infections on top of that. It's not helping. But finally, she started to eat. She started to eat little Cheetos and animal crackers, and I'm the happiest guy alive because she's eating what she needs, something, right? Something's better than nothing. And I just said, let her have whatever. I go and get a Sonic drink. She's chugging the sweet tea. Fine, let her have it because she needs something to help her out. She needs to grow. You and I, when we come to the Word, God is saying, just get in the Word. Just start with something. And if I'm not feasting on the Word, then I will not be growing. You see, God doesn't require anything miraculous or overly exceptional. We, we think too big sometimes in terms of our own faith and our own growth. Well, I've got to be this great. I've got to be able to do these many awesome things and be a person of stature. No, God reasonably expects me to grow. He expects me to grow, but he has a reasonable expectation for me. We get nourishment from the word and we also get nourishment from one another. You know, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2 says to entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. And so I've got, we've got to be looking out for the faithful men who we can entrust to teach, to preach, to carry on the work. And a question that comes to mind is, is that me? Is that you? Can it be me? And if not, why not? What's in the way? What is stopping my, my growth? What's the blockage that's there? 
when it comes to one another, we are a key resource for growing. Because God has structured the church in that very way. Over in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 through 13. He says, He gave the apostles Christ. These are gifts He gives. He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds who teach to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Who's the saints? It's every Christian. For the work of ministry, for building up of the body of Christ until we attain to the unity of the faith and to the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood and the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ so that we may no longer be children. I am expected to grow to a certain point to where we're no longer children. And he says here for the perfecting of the body. That means full grown. It means maturity. For the maturing of the saints. God gave the gifts that he gave. God still gives gifts that we have today. We talked two weeks ago in Matthew 25 about the parable of talents and and the things, the abilities, the talents, the the resources, whatever it is in my life that God has given me, I'm supposed to be growing in that, and I'm supposed to be using that for His glory. Last week, we talked about the need for humility and unity to be able to work together for each other's sakes. And here, we're kind of bringing it all together in one where I have got to be involved. It's important to have unity. God structured a way for us to get there. And it's by me growing. It's by you growing. And if we aren't growing, we won't be able to get there and we won't be able to stay there. I start to think, can I really help others grow? Maybe God is asking me questions back of saying, can you be in the word? Can you give an encouraging thought? Can you show up for somebody? Because that alone is profound enough to have an effect. I look over in Hebrews again, in Hebrews chapter 10. This is a good verse for talking about meeting together. But he says in chapter 10, verse 23, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Our job is to hold fast in our hope, Hold fast to the faith, unwavering. How are we going to do that? He tells us, verse 24. Let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works. You've got to be together. You've got to be motivating each other, stirring one another up to keep living the life of faith, to keep doing good for God, to keep doing good for others. Verse 25. Not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. Is it important that I show up whenever I can? Yeah. You would be right to say that there is no verse in Scripture that says you have to be there Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. But you'd be wrong in the spirit of it. Because what we just read is any time I can be of service to encourage and stir up one another, I ought to be there. And that's not limited to Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. But we've got the benefit of blocking out three, four hours a week out of however many hours there are in a week. Somebody do the math. But that is not a lot, is it? To stir one another up, to stay unwavered, to keep on the path of faith. One of the key resources we have for spiritual growth and nourishment is one another. And maybe it's one that we overlook too often. Encouraging one another 
reaching out to one another, being together as often as we can, and making sure that we're staying on that path. Both the Word and both one another are necessary to grow and endure. He talks about the sufferings and the things, the afflictions they went through. But I look also down there. Uh, he, he goes on, verse 6. Now that Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us the good news of your faith and love and reported that always remembered us kindly and longed to see us as long as we see you. Sorry, as we long to see you. For this reason, brothers, in our distress and affliction, we have been comforted about you through your faith. The fact that they are unwavering has brought comfort in them. It's not that they were without trials and tribulations and temptations from the tempter at the end of verse 5 that he talks about. 1 Peter 5.8 says, Your adversary, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. He's out there. He's looking to get you at any point. You once belonged to him before you belonged to Christ, and he wants you back. And he's trying to get you back. That's not someone that I want to want me, though. I can't, though, when it comes to one another, I can't look at you suffering and struggling or at least have an idea that you might be. And just sit back and think, boy, I sure hope he gets over that. Or just simply saying, I'll pray for you, and then not talking to you for the rest of the hours in the week. Now, I'm not saying clearly there is power and there is awesome things that take place when we pray to God. But if I just kind of say, well, I hope you get over it in that kind of way and not be involved and not check on you, what good would that really do? If I see someone attacking my friends or my family, instinctively we kind of snap into action. We get defensive and we want to take care of them. But what about spiritually? When we see the enemy coming, when we see that he's working on someone, do I snap into action out of the care that I have for you or not? And it's not like you've got to have all the answers. We say, well, I've got to study more so I can be able to help. Not necessarily. Again, one of the best things that you can simply do is be profoundly present. That's all. Showing up for one another. Being there for one another. And Timothy came, verse 6, 7. He came and he taught, he exhorted, and he went back. But you know, this was a little bit of an inconvenience for them. Because it wasn't part of the plan. You saw back in chapter 3, verse 1, they were, they were in Athens. They were willing to send Timothy. And they thought highly of Timothy then because if they felt this desperate about the Thessalonians to send him, they really trusted him. But they, they got this good report back even though sending Timothy wasn't part of the plan. It was well worth it. You and I, we've got plans, we've got schedules to keep, deadlines to meet, time off to enjoy, but are you willing to be inconvenienced for the sake of somebody else, for the sake of your brother and sister in Christ? Are you willing to put aside time for them, to make time for them, and put myself aside to help them with what they're struggling with? If your faith is of value to me as it was to them, then I will willingly, happily do that. He said at the end of verse 7, they had been comforted about you through your faith. We talk about our own faith journeys and our own growing in faith, but we got to remember to look out for one another and see where you might be growing, where you might need the encouragement in your walk. Verse 8, he says, for now we live. If you are standing fast in the Lord, does the news of your fellow disciples, your brothers and sisters, 
Does it really make you live, as Paul said? Does it really make you, uh, your life more complete or just put, uh, plainly put, happy? Does it make you happy and encouraged to see others among us succeed? I love to hear mission reports, especially Sunday mornings, ones that we support. And I love to see others succeeding in that way because that's our same family. That's our same brothers and sisters in Christ. They're across the world. But we ought to be celebrating also what is being done here and boasting of that so that we can be built up. He says, if you are standing fast in the Lord, meaning they're focused on what Timothy came to exhort them in, what Timothy continued to encourage them in, and they're actively striving forward based off of that foundation. No one perseveres, no one succeeds by doing nothing. If I sit back and do nothing, it's detrimental, more often so than just doing the wrong thing. Do we always get it right? No, but we try. And even if I do get it wrong, it's not the end of the world. As long as I'm striving, as long as I'm focused on him, I've got my focus on Christ and I'm walking the way, trying my best, looking in his word for that guided path. Verse 10, 9 and 10, he says, For what thanksgiving can we return to God for you? How much more can we thank God for who you are? How often do we pray like that for one another? He says, For all the joy that we feel for your sake before God, as we pray most earnestly night and day that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. This is a great group. This is a fantastic congregation that's growing, that's maturing, that's established and is taking on the hardships of the world. But yet Paul even says to them at the end of verse 10, they're lacking a little bit. And you know what that says to you and me? There's still room to grow. There is still roots to be grown deeper into what you already know, what you've already been doing, and there is still light in the sun to grow up towards Him. To close this out, verse 11 through 13, he says, Now may our God and Father Himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you, and may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all as we do for you. Excel still more. You're already doing good in this love thing. Keep doing so and keep doing more. Verse 13, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before God our Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. As I think about this next year coming up, just tomorrow, questions that come to my mind. Are you ready to grow? And are you ready to help others grow? It's what the past three weeks have kind of been culminating to today. Growing ourselves, working together, and growing one another. And it's really achieved when we are intentionally paying attention to our own selves, taking an honest look in the mirror, and intentionally paying attention to one another. We get too caught up in our own selves, in our own struggles, in our own things. And it's not to say that we disregard responsibilities. You know that. But we need to keep looking out for one another and boasting in one another as Paul does for them. You have what you need to grow in faith. You've got the word. You've got the church. And I pray you've got your eyes set on Jesus. So make the decision today that growth is no longer 
optional. I'm going to find a way to do it. It's going to be a part of who I am. doesn't mean I'm going to do anything new this year. I'm going to be better at what I already do. If I show up to one service, I'm going to try showing up to two. And then as I get good at that, I'm going to try showing up to three. If I'm not active in worship here or in church life, then I'm going to find a place where I can be. And if I am active, then I'm going to find something to stretch myself to do a little bit more, maybe a little bit more often as well. And if I've not been reaching out during the week to encourage one another, I'm going to tell myself, make myself learn to write a card or to send a text or to pick up the phone and call to encourage. I'm going to look out amongst our own selves here and find something that someone is doing that I want to learn how to do that. And I'm going to ask them for their help to do it because we're working together. Maybe you need help in that. Maybe you need prayers moving forward. Maybe you have not been to Jesus. What a better time to to end the whole year becoming a Christian. But for this invitation and for future invitations, I will be up here. One elder will be up here. But then after a verse or two, I'll go to the back in case anyone doesn't want to come all the way to the front. And if you need to respond in this, you need help finding out how to grow. You need further encouragement in that. We invite you to come as we stand together and sing. To help prepare our minds for the Lord's Supper this morning, we'll sing number 337, Low in the Grave He Lay. We will sing all three verses and then the chorus of this one. All three verses and then the chorus. Low in the grave he lay, Jesus my Savior, waiting the Jesus, my Lord, vainly they 
us, my Savior. Vainly they seal the dead. Jesus, my Lord, death cannot keep his prey. Jesus, my Savior, he tore the bars away. Jesus, my Lord, up from the grave he arose with a mighty triumph for his foes. He arose up. Let us bow. Father, we come before you now so very thankful that you are indeed mindful of us, that you answer our prayers and bless us daily. We thank you so very much for your mercy that drew salvation's plan that sent your son to earth to live a perfect life, set a perfect example, and die upon a cruel cross for our sins. We pray that you help our minds to wander back to that cross as we partake of this loaf, which represents the body that was sacrificed that day. See the great love that you have for us. We also pray, Father, that you help us to find comfort daily in the fact that Christ arose from that tomb. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for your blessings. We're thankful, Heavenly Father, for this time we have together around this table together as a family. We pray, Heavenly Father, that as we take this fruit of the vine that represents your son's blood that was so freely shed on the cross for our sins that we remove all worldly thoughts and focus upon that sacrifice that was made on our behalf. In Christ's name, amen. Concludes the Lord's Supper. If you would, please bow with me. Almighty God in heaven, Father, we thank you and praise your holy name. 
thank you for all the blessings of this life that you give us. For always watching over us and taking care of us and giving us all the necessities of life. Father, as we give back now, we ask that you will please take these, take this and multiply it so that it might be used in your service here on this earth. Please help us, Father, to always look to you for guidance. In Jesus' holy name we pray. visiting with us we want you to know how thrilled we're thrilled we are that you've come our way and hope that you'll come back and visit us at every opportunity that you have hope you'll be back tonight at five o'clock for our evening worship stick around for the game night after it's going to be a lot of fun i know that for sure cole don't even worry about the last slide just go ahead and go to the end grab a book in front of you and turn to number 728 b after our lesson this morning i could not think of a better song that echoes the message of the lesson this morning, other than declaring that our God, he is alive. We'll sing the first and last verse and then be led in our closing prayer. If you would, let's stand for this song and then for the prayer to follow. We'll sing first and last of 728B, Our God, He is Alive. There is beyond the azure blue a God concealed from human sight. He tinted skies with heavenly hue and framed the worlds with his great might. There is a God, he is alive. In him we live and we survive. From dust our God created man. He is our God, the great I Bow your heads with me, please.
Dear Father, we thank you for the blessing of this day. It's a blessing of this building we have to come and worship you in. Thank you for the blessing of the words that Josh spoke. Help us to always be humble and grateful and kind to one another. Help us to always do our best to walk in the light that you have given us. We thank you for each and every one that is here. Help those who are sick or hurting and help those who are about to have surgery. Help and heal them as only you can. We thank you for each and every blessing you give us each and every day. And thank you for your love that you've shown us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.